This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to the DCAU Review. I am your host, Liam. With me, as he always is, is your other host, Cal. Cal, we are continuing with our reviews of Batman the Animated Series, and we've got another very memorable one to talk about this week with the return of the Riddler. That's right. Uh, We've made it to episode 133, and uh, we are talking about uh, one Edward Nygma, as you said. So we are continuing in our month of Batman the Animated Series here as we continue this month of November with one that is a very memorable one for me um, for multiple reasons. Uh, you know, this is one we, we've talked a lot about those Warner Brothers home video Batman animated series releases. And there was a Riddler themed tape that had both if you're not or if you're so smart, why aren't you rich as well as what is reality, both on the videotape, I believe. And... I thought it had Riddler's reform. Oh, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe we just had this taped off of yeah, I think Fox Kids. Just, yeah, just traditionally taped off uh, the old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way. Uh, Fox Kids. But we definitely had it, and it was in regular rotation along with those uh, Warner Home Video releases. You are correct. You know what? The more that I think about it, Riddler's reform was was definitely the other one on that. But yeah, we had this one on, on, on videotape someplace, so it is one that uh, I was rather familiar with, but it, one that I hadn't seen in quite a while. So uh we'll have a lot to talk about today as we get into some of the actual (laughs) production of the episode as we sort of alluded to if you listen to our uh, little easter egg at the end of last week's episode you may (laughs) already know what we're talking about but yeah i'm excited to talk about this uh this episode liam and i'll throw it over to you uh to to do our official imdb synopsis here hopefully better than last week's imdb synopsis uh for this episode (laughs) what is reality which of course debuted Listen to this, Liam. November 24th, 1992, which means we are just a few days shy of this being the exact 28th anniversary of this episode airing on Fox Kids. Yeah, uh, couldn't have planned that better if we tried. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's pretty cool there. And yes, as you mentioned, Cal, this will be the synopsis for the episode, What is Reality?, which was written by Marty Eisenberg and Robert Skurr directed by Dick Sebast with music by Richard Bronskill and animation by, uh, by Acom production company. <sighs> and that synopsis reads as such. When the Riddler traps commissioner Gordon's consciousness in a virtual reality device, Batman must enter the villain's construct to save him. Oh, that's bad. That's in a different bad way than last week's <laughs> synopsis was bad. This one is just poorly descriptive in my well well, that covers about four minutes of the episode (laughs) sure and you know what i actually think that the better a better synopsis for some of these if you guys aren't following us on social media uh you can follow us at dcau review on both twitter and instagram but uh one of our favorite things about uh just youtube and its endless source of entertainment is there these uh, old Fox kids promos that were played mm-hmm. uh, these little 15 to 30 second clips sort of uh, promoing the, the upcoming new episodes as they debuted. And there's several of them uh, for Batman animated series that are on there. So this one has a pretty, pretty fun one. So you can go check us out on uh, Instagram at DCAU review and at on Twitter at DCAU review as well to uh, check out that synopsis. That one's a little more fun. Those throwback uh, previews for those uh, from Fox kids are always fun to, fun to watch but i think that does a lot better job than this one as you said that only touches on what happens for the first few minutes in this episode yeah so that we can jump right into plot from there cal um so this is an interesting episode so we obviously as as we talked about at the top of the episode it's the return of the riddler who we previously met in if you're so smart why aren't you rich which of course if you'd like to hear our review of that episode you can find it in the archives at dcaureview.com 
But unlike a lot of episodes where villains are captured and then just show back up, this does directly play off of that episode. If you remember, uh, Riddler actually escaped at the end of this episode, got out of the city on a plane. So we did not know exactly where he would turn up again, if he would turn up at all. So it was so it's interesting that this and we'll see that continued in the next episode featuring the Riddler. But it's interesting that Riddler really has this like succinct three episode arc throughout the series, whereas most of the other villains are just kind of showing up willy nilly whenever, you know, whenever they need a, a villain to show up. So it's interesting to see some of these characters. Riddler, I think, especially because he has such a short little three episode arc but i guess catwoman maybe would be another one where there's a lot more like direct continuity of the previous episodes in play when this character is around yeah i, I think clayface follows a similar thread uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, uh two-face to an extent and and maybe mr freeze uh, but yeah, it's it's not a straight. It's not like the Joker who just pops up, has his caper foiled, and then pops up again. You know, an episode or two later on, as we've seen a few times as we've been going through the series. But yeah, it's it's, it's sort of a trilogy of of episodes here, and there's some direct references in this episode to if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? And uh, so we get we get that sort of continuity continuance here throughout this episode. Um, but we we start off the episode with uh, a gentleman jogging out for a jog and he goes to pull some money out of a future retro uh, ATM machine, I guess. <laughs> and the ATM machine asks him to answer a riddle and then shows his balance going from uh, a significant balance all the way down to zero. And then he takes his frustration out on an ATM. Uh, we then s- flash to what I can only assume is the Gotham stock market or the New York stock exchange. Hard to tell which one is which, but uh, there's uh, some madness that's occurring on the floor there. There's a riddle that shows up there across the ticker at the stock market and then uh, cut to the next scene where uh, Alfred and Dick Grayson are in line at the DMV to pay a ticket. And there's some, some witty back and forth between (laughs) Dick and Alfred talking about how Alfred can clearly just needs to get in front of somebody to kindly explain why he shouldn't have this ticket. And stop whining, Alfred. If you think the ticket's a mistake, you'll get a chance to tell the whole story to the clerk when we get up there. If I live that long. I'm sorry, folks. You'll just have to be patient. The computers are still down. How do you get five elephants into a compact car? The computer systems at the DMV are down also. And wouldn't you know it, a third riddle appears on the screen at the DMV. So we that kind of sets us up as we have these three things and it appears that the Riddler is infiltrating various computer systems with the motive to, as we find out, erase Edward Nigma from existence. Yeah. So that's something that we, we kind of get an explanation of obviously from right, as you said, right from the start of the episode, we're kind of learning that he's doing this, that he's deleting his name out of the DMV, his social security number, his bank accounts, all these different places, um, we're not exactly sure why. And then he's even going after sort of the hard copies in both in police headquarters and at the DMV itself, which draws Batman into a brief confrontation with uh, a couple of his thugs. But yeah, and then we, we sort of find out he sort of gives the justification for it later in the episode when Batman is sucked into this VR world to rescue Commissioner Gordon. He mentions that, uh, you know, Batman refers to him as as Nigma and and the Riddler answers that he no longer exists because of you getting involved and stopping me from killing Mockridge in, uh, in the episode of you're so smart. Why don't you, why aren't you rich? Um, He doesn't specifically name the episode. It would be weird if he did, but but, uh, because of that, because of the events of that episode, he, he feels the Edward Nygma is now a pariah, a wanted man. And so the only way he can be free is to sort of fully embrace this Riddler persona and, delete every bit of Edward Nygma uh, from the world, which I mean, it's, it's a weird idea because like you could just (laughs) like people, like people that knew him could still just be like, could confirm that and they could make new documents. But it's, I, at least like, it's a, he's a crazy guy. He, he's a crazy video game designer. (laughs) And so he's created, he's done what he thinks he has to do 
in the most uh, ridiculous, over-the-top way possible, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It seems very disconnected from what ultimately happens in the rest of the plot. It's there, like you said, there's this initial confrontation. Batman has a confrontation with these two thugs, which I believe are the returning thugs from, uh, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Uh, they also featured in yes. that episode, to my recollection. So his his two gang of thugs there uh, making mm-hmm. a return. And he has a, a brief interaction of fight with them at the DMV. And then uh, Batman, as, as they escape, Batman is distracted by this uh, getaway van that he assumes that they're driving, but turns out is being remotely controlled by the Riddler and uh, contains some nitroglycerin in it. And uh, so a, a subsequent explosion at the DMV occurs. Uh, Batman narrowly escapes. And in the meantime, as you said, there's been this box that's been delivered to Gotham City Police Department, which as they are investigating it, it opens up. It's shaped like uh, Robin gives a shout out to the Baxter's box puzzle, which I believe is the stand-in, of course, for the Rubik's Cube. this way what we've got here is a variation on the ancient chinese puzzle box can you solve it you kidding you're looking at the guy who solved the baxter's box puzzle in 37 seconds of course this time i don't have a sledgehammer kind of threat more like an invitation careful vigilante you know what they say curiosity killed the bat but uh i correct me if i'm wrong but i believe it's a little bit of foreshadowing also doesn't riddler go on to work for the baxter's toy company uh it's lafco isn't it oh you're right maybe is it i feel like that name baxter comes up again that might be the guy who owns the lafco that's a good point. Let me let me do a, some brief research on this to see whether or not <laughs> Lafco Toy Factory. Uh, anyway, uh, so as as we learn, um, as we learn uh, that uh, Edward has delivered this computer and Robin is doing some research, they, he has a conversation which really retro dates this entire thing. He talks about there not being oh up to a phone line so that there's <laughs> no way that the Riddler could have access to it. You see kids back in the day, computers <laughs> had to be hooked up to a phone in order for it, a phone line, just like an, a phone line with something in a, a dedicated line in your house. So not only did phones have to be connected <laughs> to this line, computers also had to be connected to them to, to go onto the internet. There you go. Absolutely. So we have uh, we have Robin sort of doing the investigation and, and, and investigating and looking through the software and deems it to sort of be uh, inane. But we have sort of uh, a, a sort of, I don't know, like future bold prediction there that may or may. It, it's actually sort of based in reality now as VR has become. Uh, much more popular and sort of a, not necessarily mainstream, but is an accessible thing for gaming and stuff in, in our mm-hmm. day and age. Finally, uh, you know, 28 years later, it's something that is an actual reality. So we get some some uh, some interesting commentary on that. And was- Commissioner Gordon decides to hop in and uh, and take part in in trying this VR, which unfortunately backfires on them. I was going to say, does in this universe, did, did the Riddler invent both virtual reality and Wi-Fi? Well, I, I don't know. I think the Wi-Fi, maybe they do. They do mention uh, plot wise that uh, let's see that the um, a cordless modem, I believe they call it. Yes, he, a cordless modem. And he does mention that the the army or that the military had been working on ex- experiment, experimenting with VR. So I don't know that he was necessarily credited with creating it, but he certainly okay. certainly borrowed it from the uh, from the, the military. By the way, I did 
checking up, it looks like it was Wacko Toys, which was uh, where the Riddler eventually okay. works for. But Charles Baxter was the president. So okay. I believe the Baxter's box puzzle does get uh, yeah. does get used later on. I knew that name sounded familiar. But anyway, we'll talk about that when we get to Riddler's reform in the future. Anyway, so, of course, it's a trap. Unfortunately, Commissioner Gordon gets stuck. Robin is unable to pull him out. And the only way for the the heroes to get Commissioner Gordon out safely, they can't unplug it. They can't remove the VR helmet. Batman must go in and play the Riddler's game, Liam, which is where everything starts to get quite trippy. Well, let me just say, before we get to that, everything that happens in this episode is Robin's fault. (laughs) Robin's a big dumb moron in this episode. (laughs) Like, Uh, even if you think, okay, the Riddler can't connect to this world. Okay, what if he put, like, some sort of hypnosis program in there? Or something else? Or what if there's a bomb? Because we we later find out Robin didn't check the hardware at all. He didn't, like, take the thing apart to check if there was, like, an explosive inside of it or something. Quite so, Batman. And everything your commissioner is experiencing in here seems so real to him, it might as well be real. I'd give his heart another 15 minutes at most. He can't be online. I searched through every file. You searched the software. Had you bothered to examine the hardware, you would have discovered a cordless modem line. I wouldn't do that, Batman. Disconnecting Gordon would be fatal. The sudden stop would be like slamming into a brick wall at 400 miles an hour. No, if you wish to get Gordon out alive, Batman, you'll have to come in here and get him. Forget it. The Riddler controls that world. You wouldn't last a minute. We'll use these. They'll let me keep one ear in reality. So stay in touch. He just, like, puts the headset on. He's like, hey, Commissioner, you try it out. Okay, I'm going to leave now. And then in the time that he leaves the room, uh, the Riddler reveals that he can, in fact, gain access to this program and traps Commissioner Gordon. And then Robin tries to take the headset off and gets electrocuted. So everything that happens for the rest of the episode is 100% (laughs) Robin's fault. (laughs) Dummy. Well, I mean, it's a good thing. He's a good plot device in this episode because it it does lead to that that next trippy sequence where Batman... uh, climbs on and puts the helmet on himself he does have a radio that keeps one ear in reality allowing him to have robin sort of guide him almost as if this were a video game sequence and so batman uh, comes in there's a set of doors he opens up a couple that are traps and then uh, figures out the riddler's riddle which has leads him to a giant chessboard and of course batman being the dark knight must figure out that he has to move (laughs) on the chessboard like a knight that sequence then transfers to this weird pegasus astrology or astronomy uh Mm -hmm. astronomy sequence where they're the different constellations are coming alive and like attacking batman uh, which then leads to the final boss, if you will, of Batman having to solve a Baxter's box puzzle in order to <laughs> remove Commissioner Gordon from this trap. Yeah, and I guess that's the end there is what it, it always has to come down to in a Riddler story, which is Batman outsmarting him, um, which is fine. Like as, as far as, because apparently Riddler has, when Riddler is plugged in and he's sort of warping this world to create these unique, traps and puzzles he's sort of controlling it all with his brain and so when batman sort of distracts him by instead of trying to solve the puzzle by simply breaking it apart he literally transforms his hands into hammers and starts breaking it apart and creating duplicates of himself the riddler then creates duplicates of himself to try to stop batman up as long as you can. Any number you can think of, we can double. Tell me, Riddler, how can you split your focus in 32 directions and sustain the concentration it takes to keep your world together? You can't! No! 
uh, which kind of causes the whole thing to come down uh, as uh, as the Riddler can't both stop Batman and continue to sort of keep the world moving, which allows Batman to finally free Commissioner Gordon. But as the machine's being shut down, the Riddler can't disconnect quite in time. And so he ends up in something uh, resembling a vegetative state at the end of our episode here. Yeah, it's very it's very strange. His face is all sunken in and he's all wrinkly and his eyes are all bugged out. And uh, he's Batman discovers him there and they sort of walk away. Not I, I don't know if it's certainly we know that there's another episode to come, but it's certainly a cliffhanger that leads you maybe to believe that his brain has been fried. And this is the last that we'll see of the Riddler. But as we have already stated, there is a third episode Riddler's reform coming up that we will eventually get to review viewing but uh Liam I guess I guess overall thoughts here of the plot it is a very uh interesting concept it's fun mm-hmm. um I think that the part where as as Batman gets into the virtual reality game of course uh, I don't love the constellation sequence I thought that that was the one that stood out is like what is this what who thought that this was an interesting thing of constellations attacking Batman and it's, it's very confusing um, but the other two sequences, I thought the chessboard was great. I thought even the, the doors that he opens before then with the question marks that are sort of cartoony shooting, uh, sh- shooting the bottom half of question marks at Batman. And then he mm-hmm. opens another one and there's a train that comes out, uh, to sort of attack those things. It's, uh, it, Batman sort of trying to think, try and figure out these clues on the, on the fly as he tries to figure out which door is going to open up to a chessboard. I thought that was very, very interesting. I even think some of the, some of the idea of like, okay, Riddler wants to, wants to erase this existence of his, but I I didn't feel like, like when you really sit down and think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, as you said, because (laughs) everyone knows Edward Nigma is the Riddler, unless his plan is to go off to some foreign country at that point and try and live a life outside and off of the grid or something like that, or reestablish himself someplace he's pretty well known as the Riddler unless unless you're supposed to believe that this is simply just like a regional foe that outside of Gotham no one would know but that that's (laughs) you coming up with me coming up with additional thoughts that aren't clearly laid out in the story so because it's not necessarily laid out very clear um, that that part is a little bit of a of a thumbs down to me and even the ending like the end the sometimes the endings to these episodes feel very unsatisfactory and yes the riddler like it doesn't explain why all of a sudden he was fried in his own game like there's sort of a it kind of leads you to believe that batman pulled the plug on the machine because i think there's yeah. a there's a like a brief sequence that looks like he's down by the plug but it's not overt at least it wasn't to me. So I don't know how all, all of a sudden he just got fried in this, in this game uh, and, and is left in this vegetative state. And then Batman and commissioner Gordon and Robin just sort of leave him there and walk away. So do, are the police there to take him away? <laughs> Did they figure out how to get the helmet off without being electrocuted? You know, I, I don't know. It, it's very, very strange. So uh, because of all of that, the fun is fun, but the rest of it is kind of, eh, I went uh, for a six out of 10. Yeah, I went, uh, I went five out of 10. Um, Again, not that there isn't fun to be had here, but a lot of it, like we've said, is just also that whole VR sequence, which I think is the reason that most people would, would find this episode memorable. That's, as we said, when we read our synopsis, that's very, a very small chunk of this. A lot of this is, batman and alfred standing around puzzling over the riddles uh and then like batman go as we said goes to the dmv has to you know put out a fire after the riddler's robotically driven van blows up that's all fine and then he gets a bunch of change and he has to like puzzle what this all means and all it is is to lead him right back to police headquarters where robin and commissioner gordon are so it's like it didn't it didn't feel like that that whole sequence was ever necessary to this episode other than there had to be a reason why Batman wasn't there when Robin uh, got commissioner Gordon kidnapped. Right. Um, so yeah, I just, like I said, it's, they're still fun. I still enjoyed myself watching it, but yeah, I think just 
there's a lot in here I would have probably tweaked or changed or left out uh, maybe in favor of seeing more sort of quote unquote levels to the uh, to the video game sequence, which we should also mention. One of the reasons I think this episode holds a special place in our heart is that it was uh, later adapted along with parts of if you're so smart, why aren't you rich into the Riddler stage in the adventures of Batman and Robin uh, Super Nintendo game. Correct. Yeah. So there's, there is some love and nostalgia for that. And those, those levels in that Super Nintendo game were, were fun to play. And uh, yeah, so yeah, there's some, there's some love. And again, having this on videotape, a lot of watching it, sure, there's some nostalgia aspect to that. I still stand by that the, the VR sequence is, is fun, but you're right. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's, it's a very brief part of it. And it seems like it, if maybe that had been, the majority of the episode, as you said, instead of these sort of ancillary uh, offshoot scenes of Batman at the DMV, which is about as exciting as it sounds, uh, maybe maybe the the score would have been a little bit higher. Agreed. And that will move us on to visuals, Cal. And boy, howdy, uh, do I have a lot to say <laughs> this week about uh, our visuals. As mentioned, uh, this episode was directed by Dick Sebast, but don't hold that against him, folks, because unfortunately, for I think one of the last times, we will be talking about the Acom or Acom production uh, company. We keep Ooh. saying that this is the last time, but l- like an abused spouse, <laughs> we keep going back and the series keeps going back to that. And that has to do, of course, with us watching in production order versus the air dates, I believe. Uh, yeah. And, and when when the when the relationship was severed, uh, when when they when this production company was fired, uh, they were still work. They still had other episodes in production that they were, I guess, under obligation to finish. So even once Cat Scratch Fever came around in the production order, there was, I guess they were already working on a couple of these others that we've talked about since. Yeah. Uh, So should we talk about things we liked first? Because I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about things we didn't like. Yeah, let's let's start off on a positive note, Cal. What do you have in the positive category this week for visuals? All right. Well, first animation of visuals. I'll start off with the title card. Uh, Good title card. Liked that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, great Eric Radomski title card there. We have Commissioner Gordon overlaid with sort of the classic digital clock font uh, over top of it written what is reality. So really great, uh, really great title card. We love those. We could probably talk about those each and every episode. Really dig this one. This one also just, it's classic. It sticks out to Mm -hmm. you. There's some heavy shadow over Commissioner Gordon's face with some highlights and then the text and that's all you need. Uh, And then uh, let's see, uh, going from there, do I have anything else to talk about here? (laughs) Uh, So I will say the VR, like I said, the VR, the VR scenes are fun. I think the morphing as Batman is knighted in the on mm-hmm. the chessboard and his his costume turns into this sort of unique batman armor sort of looking thing which by the way how they didn't turn this into a toy is beyond me because yeah. this, this was right the, the one of the very few times where batman had an alternate uniform in the actual animated series and uh the, you know nowadays this would be something that they would it would be a slam dunk for a, for a toy to be made of Batman on a Pegasus. Oh yeah. In this armor. Uh, but I, th- I thought that that, that those sequences were certainly the most fun uh, overall. Uh, of course they didn't have to, I mean, the, the name is in the title. What is reality? They didn't have to sort of base things in reality. So if things mm-hmm. were a little bit off, I guess you could sort of, you know, chalk it up to being, oh, well, they're in a, they're in a VR machine. So if things look a little differently or askew, then I guess you could chalk it up to being inside a video game. However, uh, there are, I mean, there was, there's one, one part uh, after the van explodes at the DMV, uh, they cut away and then they cut back to Batman. As you mentioned, he's putting out the fire with a hose and then he, he goes in to sort of investigate the hull of the, of the van. And there's a flat, he has a flashlight on and the, the, the majority of the scene is actually a painted scene of this burnt out van. And there's a flashlight that flashes through Batman is completely in shadow except for his eyes. And yep. um, I, I thought that was really, really the standout scene for most of the episode. Batman didn't look too far off model, all things considered, um 
there's not there's there's a couple i think shots sort of up the mask uh as we are <laughs> they're prone to do on on these sort of up upward angle up his nose shots um and I, I would say that the choice back to the VR, I think the choice to have the the red shading throughout that entire sequence was one that put a unique spin on that scene, sort of differentiating between, again, reality and, and inside this VR machine. So I really like the red shading. Uh, anytime that you change the color palette like that and allow for for different visuals, I think is uh, is one that's that's uh, it, it adds to the visuals uh, and you know changes up the dynamic. For sure. Yeah, I think I think uh, you, we had mostly the same positive notes. I, I did like that sequence with with Batman in the, in the flashlight and sort of the the robot and the wreckage of the car sort of painted into the background and sort of just Batman and the lighting effects are are generally done very well. Um, and I and that's something I I genuinely don't know this. I I don't think the animation company is responsible responsible for the coloration. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to throw this all on Acom. They had other, there were other issues, but like, I thought Robin was surprising. Like, I don't remember talking about Robin being off model very often, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like his head shape is very inconsistent in this episode. Like this, his hair styling is very like, sometimes it's real big and kind of hanging down into his face almost a little bit. And sometimes it's the shorter spikier sort of natural look we see for him throughout most of the series. Like there's, I was like, I was like, I think this is the first episode I've seen where Robin is off model a little bit. Yeah, there was some different parts where his face looked a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few more Robin notes here that we'll talk oh, about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't think I didn't think that he looked particularly on model for the episode either. There were some parts that he looked. Yeah, he just didn't look quite right. Yeah, it's mostly, I think, yeah, it was mostly in, like, the shape of his head, his hair, like, the size of his mask was kind of inconsistent as well. Mm. Um, just, yeah, weird little things. Again, nothing that in in an, in an episode with sort of, uh, you know, with that we didn't involve a production company that was sort of infamous for these things, maybe I wouldn't have picked up on them as much, but... I feel like uh, when I when I when I know that it's an Acom episode, I'm like I almost start to look for things <laughs> that are that are wrong with it, um, which I try not to do. You know, we always we always try to start out positive and 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 then you know notice the negative as it comes, not necessarily expect the negatives. But spe- now that we're talking about negatives, Cal, um, the darn <laughs> highlight color on Robin's uh, cape and his hair so wildly inconsistent throughout this episode like it it bothered me one because i don't feel like in most episodes he has a highlight color but they gave him like a blue highlight on the back of his on the back of his cape and his hair in some shots and then sometimes it would just be like he would turn his head and the highlight colors would disappear like and i I, some of that i think is supposed to be like light reflecting you know from the from the screen reflecting on him sure so i get that but even in like the first couple scenes where him and batman are trying to open up the the box puzzle his highlight color is appearing and disappearing so that that frustrated me quite a bit well robin is definitely the biggest gaffe and is i think to me is something that i've never ever seen in animation, let alone Batman, the animated series before. Uh, did you catch, uh, do you know what I'm about to say? The biggest gaffe of the episode? Uh, is it when uh, Robin somehow slipped into like the 1930s and was black and white while that, everyone else was in beautiful Technicolor? That is correct. At six minutes and 10 seconds, I got the timestamp for you. So if you want to check this out on DC Universe or pull up, if you have the DVDs or the, the Blu-ray, check it out. Mm-hmm. But at six minutes and 10 seconds, Batman is, uh, it's just before Batman leaves to go do his his own side investigation and leave Robin to uh to investigate this this box and the the VR machine, what turns out to be the VR machine. You're absolutely right. Everything is in perfect Technicolor and Robin is black and white. They <laughs> forgot to color the character. They left him black and white and it slipped. I, I even checked. So I watched uh, the first way through. I watched the entire episode on the old DVD copy that I have. And then I went onto the app and checked to see if it was corrected mm-hmm. for for the updated uh you know the the remastering and they didn't even correct it in the remastering nope no that was that's the thing because i even thought about that because i 
I watched it in the uh, in in the HD version on the DC Universe app. Uh, you know, while I still can for a couple <laughs> more weeks here, and uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, they didn't even fix that because there there's been a couple of episodes where I would read about production inconsistencies that had been fixed for the Blu-ray release uh, for the HD re-releases of these shows, and like that one is so glaringly obvious to me that I cannot believe that somehow of all the things they did bother to fix, they somehow missed Rob and it's Robin, by the way, it's it, like, you could almost understand it more because Batman's suit is black and gray. Like if it was Batman, it would still be bad, but it would be much less noticeable. Cause it would just be like, Oh, I guess Batman didn't have his highlight color. Um, but like, it's Robin, like his suit is red and green and black and yellow. Like it's, it's multicolored. Like, how do you not notice that Robin of all characters <laughs> is not uh is not in color in that scene it's so bizarre i think this is worse a bigger gaff than super friends ever did with the inverse bat symbol i agree like, i think that this is and again i've never seen this obviously i haven't seen every piece of animation in history but i cannot ever remember a cartoon in technicolor where they forget to color in one of the main characters that's on the screen. Like even if, okay. So if this was a scene, you know, earlier in the episode where you have the returning uh, SWAT team, Gotham SWAT team, and maybe the focus is on the the main characters and one of the SWAT team guys isn't colored in. Okay. That's fine. But like you said, right. it's Robin. He's bright red and green with the yellow highlights. Like how, in God's name, do you miss coloring one of the three main characters in this episode? <laughs> it's amazing. It's really, I, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And again, I couldn't believe that that wasn't gone. That wasn't fixed for the, uh, for the HD re-release. Um, it's just unbelievable or even, even fix like, like again, I, again, I, uh, we're not, we don't really know who to pin this on. Cause obviously, like I said, I don't think the animation company was in charge of coloration as well. So mm-hmm. this would, I'm sure be another company involved, but it's, it's bad. And then yes, on top of it, like I said, Batman is not like super off model in this episode. He does have the, he's like weirdly thick. I feel like he's like very square in this mm-hmm. episode, I feel like, but um, it's, it's not- better to me. It was better than past Acom. uh, Mm-hmm. versions of batman but it's still there's there's some there's some warbliness at times that's mm-hmm. the term we like to use a lot when acom is involved it's just not it's not it's not good and there's like i said i think the riddler even when he first appears in the vr machine and pops up on the screen as, as he sort of reveals this to be a trap to batman and robin he looks very 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 off model really not good mm-hmm. um Ironically, I thought that the part where the Batman and Riddlers sort of split and start to multiply, that's not, I can't imagine that was something that was very easy to animate. And it it looks pretty, pretty interesting. Like it it looks, it's effective in in the way that they designed it to be. But like, I don't think that can make up for the, for a lot of the bad. And uh, one of, one of Riddler's henchmen in the opening scene when he's, Uh, wearing the police uniform he has gray hair and then he comes back later on and his hair is completely black so (laughs) i I don't know if he was if like there's no indication that he was wearing a disguise or anything like that other than the police uniform so he just changed hair color mid-scene um (laughs) i thought uh, the very last scene when we see riddler in his vegetative state for some reason now his mask you can see the pupils of his eyes Mm-hmm. uh through the through the lenses of his of his mask um yeah it's there's there's just not the even the explosion so the maybe the most interesting action sequence outside of the vr machine is when batman is on this van that crashes into the wall and explodes the explosion is see-through like you can see the explosion happen (laughs) up against the wall and typically you would see you know maybe some bright yellow cover whatever it is that exploding it's like it's like transparent everything about it from the explosion all the way to the smoke and it's a very tiny small explosion for what you would assume a van full of nitroglycerin would have caused (laughs) yeah yeah that there's a lot and i'll actually i want to talk more about that sequence when we get to music but yeah, just overall, like I said, I, I think the the stuff in the VR room for the most part is good. 
or at least you can forgive the sort of wacky you know stiff and then too too jiggly animation because it's a video game it's supposed to it's not supposed to be real um i feel like and, and so i i do agree that like that sequence is good if more of the episode took place in there we'd have a lot less to nitpick in the, sure. in the other sections but because that's only a very brief part of it like i said and there's so many many gaps like and like we said in certainly in, in many cartoons including this one you'll see something where like oh that person's neck was colored the same color as their shirt, but it should have been flesh colored or, you know, something like that. Like things happen, but some of these like really overt ones, like hair being the wrong color or uh, just being completely devoid of color in some cases, uh, just, just really kind of ridiculous. And then, yeah, we didn't in the, in the non VR action beats, it's not exactly a, a home run. So for all those reasons, like I said, I do think the the VR stuff is good. I just don't think it's enough to really lift it higher than what I gave visuals, which is a five out of 10. Wow, you went way higher than what I went with. I think that with me hyping up that visual gaff as the worst thing that I've seen, like the <laughs> biggest gaff that I've seen, I, I was like, man, I have to give this a really low score. Um, I, like I said, I love the VR scene. I love the fun that's had in that scene. And even if I don't love the scene with the constellations or felt like it was the weakest of the that three three part sequence there inside the VR machine, it's still, it's still interesting visually. Um, but the inconsistencies, even, even some small things that always get on my nerves, inconsistency in commissioner Gordon, this episode, he goes from being able to see the pupils in his eyes to not be, or to see the whites of his eyes, (laughs) to not seeing the whites of his eyes, to back to seeing the whites of his eyes. Um, there's more Robin gaffes where he, he's sitting there and he doesn't have the details on the front of his uniform. He doesn't have the R or the or the stripes or the, uh, the laces at the, in the middle of his mm-hmm. chest at one point, there's just too much to point out as this, like it's, this is better than cat scratch fever, but, <laughs> but not much. And the gaffes are just so bad. So I, I had ended up giving this a three out of 10. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair for all the reasons that you've, you've laid out there. This is, like I said, I, I personally felt that the, the VR sections were enough to bring it up a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I can't argue with you when uh, once once you laid it out that way. That's, uh, <laughs> that puts this in uh, in rarefied error as far as a visual score, um, for sure. Uh, but that will move us on to Music Cal, uh, music this week done by Richard Bronskill. Um, and my thought on music is that there's like a large chunk of this episode where there just isn't any music. And I feel like that hurt the episode because the visuals and story weren't very good. And it could have used like kind of an over the top dramatic score. And like that whole sequence we've been talking about at the DMV where Batman is riding on the hood of the car, it's got nitroglycerin in it and it's driving towards a wall about to explode. And then it explodes there's no music in that at all. And so it's just this weird silence where you just hear the car and then you, and then you see this, you know, not very exciting explosion, as you mentioned, Cal, and there's just no music in the sequence at all. That really kind of bummed me out because I was like, at least if we had a really good score, that would be like something to hang our hat on here. I never was any good at parallel parking, and I'm not too clear on the laws about pedestrian right-of-way, either. While you are disabling my van, you might wish to consider the effect of the imminent collision on the nitroglycerin inside. I think it's time that we break out the disagreement alarm, Liam. Emergency. Because I actually really love the music from this week. I actually thought it was an effective plot device to not have music in that scene, only because 
I felt like it would have taken away, and we'll talk about it in just a minute when we get into voice acting, but I thought it would have distracted or maybe taken away from an excellent voice performance from John Glover, especially in that scene. And the voice effect that they put on his his uh, vo voice in that scene. Uh, I was not I was not uh, not upset that they didn't include music in that. I can see from your point of view where you're wanting something maybe a little bit more to add to the excitement, to add to sort of build the tension in that scene as we talk about so so often the music does. Um, to me though, I looked at where the music was strongest again i'm going to go back to the vr scene and that that the music is very trippy we get the typical riddler theme but it's played uh, played in various different forms and there's some undertones of this sort of digital uh digital manipulation there's also almost like that sort of screeching sound that you hear in like a horror movie i don't mm -hmm. know what that is like you know almost like it's it's like when nails on a on a blackboard are <laughs> included into a into a, a horror trailer or something like that when it's something that's mm. sort of shocking um that was included in into the into the theme also so it's this undercurrent of of terror and you're not sure exactly what's going to come around the corner next um and, and you do get some tension uh building at the beginning so, some nice intro music as we are introduced into this unnamed jogger running through gotham and uh, i thought that that set the tone for the episode i I really actually enjoyed the music. I think I think you're right. And if you actually look on the soundtrack, I think so. For a typical episode, there might be ten to twelve pieces for a, for an episode uh, on the soundtrack. For this episode, I believe there's only six or seven. There weren't as many, so there's definitely less music in this episode. And I, I wonder if they if they did that intentionally as a way to try and, and emphasize this VR scene. I can I can see from your point of view where where maybe more music would have brought the score up a little bit. I thought that it emphasized enough in the scenes that I liked to be memorable. And you have the reoccurring Riddler theme that comes back in. Yeah, I mean, I think from from a musical highlight standpoint, for me, definitely the the music in the the final few minutes there as Batman's making his way through the Riddler's world is good. And yes, I enjoy the way the Riddler theme is played, but yeah, to me, like I, I, I just feel like there's a big chunk of this music episode where the music is absent. And because I was, again, I think it's, it's also one of those things where as much as a lot of this stuff can work in tandem, in this case, it was kind of a, a wacky, weird story working with unappealing visuals <laughs> And so I really could have, I think, used more of a uh, an overarching theme. And so personally, yeah, for me, I I would have preferred to, to have much more music in the episode than we did. Um, so for for all those reasons, I settled on a six out of ten for music. That's fair. And I guess for for all for bringing out the disagreement alarm, we didn't disagree that much. I went with a little <laughs> bit stronger eight out of ten. I liked the like I said, I liked liked the points that I liked. I thought it emphasized it to me when you when you have an episode where the visuals aren't as strong. Maybe this knowing going into this that the visuals, because we already knew that it was ACOM, that I was a little more in tune and focused on mm -hmm. that to to appreciate those a little bit more than I normally would. But for whatever reason, I gave it just a little bit, a little tick higher than you at eight out of 10. Fair enough. And that will bring us Cal to our final category of the week. That being voice acting. We don't have a big cast to talk about this week. Uh, mostly just our regulars and our returning villain. We have Kevin Conroy as Batman, Lauren Lester as Robin, uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. as Alfred, Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon, and John Glover as the Riddler. Uh, always love when we have uh, when we get to talk about Mr. Glover. I do think his performance in this episode, for me, in any of our categories, I think his performance as the Riddler in this episode is the standout to me. Oh, he's incredible. And, um, you know, we always talk about sometimes sound production and not knowing where to fit that in and various different things. But I felt like the echo effect that they give his voice in the VO, inside the VR machine, and they do the same thing, I believe, for Kevin Conroy as well as he's talking uh, mm -hmm. in the machine. Everything sort of has this echo. It just sort of emphasizes this, the importance and the, I don't know, the, the strength of these two characters sort of going into this epic battle that's really not happening in reality. It's all, it's all taking place inside a video game, but it makes it feel much more epic. <laughs> Welcome to Riddlerville. 
mixed up here, but I'm sure you can fix that. Your commissioner is contained within this cube. Solve the puzzle and you gain access. No problemo, Batman. That's a Baxter's box. I can guide you through it in... Ah! No coaching from the peanut gallery. You have one minute, Batman. Then the clock strikes two. If you can do it, so can I. <coughs> no cheat. But also giving that twinge of like classic video game voices of that sort of at the time, you know, your classic arcade games where the voice was, would sort of echo as you're, as you're speaking in like a Street Fighter game or something of that realm where the, the voice is sort of naturally echoed. But yeah, he's, he's tremendous in this. Uh, he really gets an opportunity uh, when he says, when he delivers the line, welcome to Riddlerville, like <laughs> so, so good. And he, you know, his back and forth with Batman, he really comes across his performance. And we, we talk about this. We know that the Riddler is not somebody that is a, a physical threat to Batman. So he has to be smart. And I think we talked about this a lot in the, in the performance that he did. And if you're not, or if you're so smart, I can't say the name of that title <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Uh, you know, he has to come off of this sort of pompous, I'm smarter than everybody in the room, including Batman. But he also has a twinge of like doubt to it as if he needs to, to prove that he's smarter mm-hmm. than Batman. So he's cocky, but he has a little bit of self-doubt in it. So uh, it, it's in the performance that Mr. Glover is able to come across with. It's, it's just great. It's another one of those that we talk about uh, Andrea Romano, perfect casting. Of mm-hmm. course, you know, his, his performance, you can't, you can't hear it and not see the the person himself. And, uh, you know, certainly I know he, he holds a near dear heart spot to you, as we've talked about before, as far as being Lionel Luthor in, in Smallville, but That's he, right. he's just, he's just tremendous. And his, his sort of almost, it's a little over the top, especially when you compare it to maybe his Lionel Luthor performance, but it, it has to be for this character, I think, to, to believe that they are smarter than everybody else in the room and that they are going to best Batman and that they are going to use uh, everything at their resource to figure out how to outwit Batman and, and successfully defeat him. For sure. Yeah. And I think there's something you touched on there, Cal, about how how he speaks to Batman and that twinge of doubt. And I think if you compare him speaking to Batman to him speaking to his henchmen or Robin or Commissioner Gordon, it's kind it's totally different. Like he is assured that in his head that he is smarter than all of those people. But it's just Batman that puts that doubt in his head. So if you listen to the way that he speaks to Batman, there's a little extra agitation in his voice, which you you touched on there. But it's really just when he's dealing with Batman directly, when he's when he's just talking to his thugs and making sure that these are the only hard copies of uh, of his files at police headquarters. He's very confident when he's talking about how oh how about how Robin you know, forgot to check the hardware. He's very, he's dripping with constant confidence in that scene when he's, you know, when he's sort of taunting commissioner Gordon as he's capturing him, there's so much confidence in his voice. And it's just when he's dealing, when he's playing off of, of Kevin Conroy's Batman, that you really start to hear that, that, that more unhinged desperate side of his character come out, the more over the top side of it come out. And yes, he, he really goes into the braggadocious and, and ridiculousness and over the top nature of, of this character. But it really seems like Batman is the one that brings him out, brings that out in him more than really any other character. And I think that's really, really well done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think it's funny cause he, he, it's not like last week's episode where we had um, Paul Williams is, is, penguin doing the lion's share of the load i think feel like it's pretty equally distributed this week as far as lines go there's some a lot of kevin conroy as you mentioned there is some lauren lester in there as well uh who by the way we've uh, i i liked lauren lester's uh, performance this week i felt like he mm. he had less quippy lines he has you know some unique interaction with him and alfred uh in the dmv as we mentioned in that first scene and he's sort of there just to kind of be batman's guide a little bit through this and 
sometimes it's it's Batman figuring stuff out in spite of <laughs> in spite of what Robin's advice is. But I thought I thought he did he had a great performance. And Bob Hastings I thought had a, had a great performance as well. Um, both of those guys as supporting cast this week to the to our main players I thought were were really strong. And I think you mentioned also we get some some Ephraim mm-hmm. Zumbles Jr. Uh, helping Batman figure out various riddles throughout the episode as well. Yeah, absolutely. This is probably the most like those sequences reminded me the most of like the Adam West show that anything, because this version of Riddler is so different than the, you know, the classic Frank Gorshin over the top giggly Riddler, but there's so, but a hallmark of any Riddler episode of that series would involve bat usually Batman and Robin and Alfred standing around stroking their chins as they try to figure out what these riddles mean. And we get to see Batman and Alfred do that uh, a couple different times in this episode. And I, as, uh, as as from a plot standpoint, like I said, I th- I thought it was almost a little a little silly, but within the episode, and thanks to the to the very strong voice uh, performances from Kevin Conroy, from Ephraim Zimbalist, and from Lauren Lester, I I don't think it came off. It didn't come off like hacky or like a parody of Batman. Like they did they did a good job of making that work. I know I know Bruce Tim always uh talked about when when they wanted to use the Riddler that they never wanted it to be them standing around trying to figure out what a riddle means, but they do end up doing that, but they kind of intercut it with, you know, Batman and Alfred are trying to figure out the riddles while Robin's, you know, working on the machine so that you can kind of cut back and forth so it's not just guys standing around in the Batcave trying to figure it out, but yeah, it definitely uh, harkened back to the Adam West show for me when I when I saw Batman and Alfred sort of puzzling over these Riddler, riddle, uh, riddles together. Where does a 500-pound gorilla sleep? What's worse than a millipede with flat feet? And how do you get five elephants into a compact car? Anywhere it wants, a giraffe with a sore throat, and uh, two in the front seat, two in the back, and one in the trunk. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Any schoolboy knows those. But brain teasers are the Riddler's M.O., not corny old jokes like these. Perhaps the questions are the clues, not the answers. For example, they all seem to involve animals. Also, numbers. A 500-pound gorilla, a millipede, meaning a thousand legs, and five elephants. Now, let's convert them to Roman numerals. Look, DMV. Department of Motor Vehicles. But I recall you mentioning he'd already obliterated his records there, so why return for the hard copy? Yeah, that's a good that's a good pull. Um, yeah, I, I I I can absolutely see that. That's a that's a nice that's a nice grab there. Um, I guess I can get into my score for this. I think I think overall, I think just John Glover is just so great, and I adore I adore his performance as as the Riddler, and it's just so 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 great to hear his performance in in this form and as we mentioned sort of the just the sort of nuances that he has as the riddler and the you know the the subtlety and the way he he chooses to perform the riddler uh in various different ways and i think even that that final sequence as batman may or may not have unplugged the computer i'm not sure whatever it was that caused <laughs> the riddler to sort of be stuck inside the the vr machine as it fries his his consciousness uh his his reaction in that scene i think is 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 equally different than what he has to do for the rest of it sort of this panic and terror as this machine is sort of uh frying his brain i guess i i don't know it's (laughs) i can escape that easily too but then if the planet were equitable i'd still have my old job no! No, not yet! No! Ah! Looked like he suffered some kind of attack, like a sensory overload or something. Um, and knowing like if you've ever seen Batman Forever and there's a there's a scene in there, obviously Jim Carrey's Riddler, very, very different than this portrayal. But there's there's a similar scene where he he has his brain sort of warped and, and loses his mind due to the machine that he uses. It's very over the top and it's very goofy and silly, as most of that movie is. But it's it's completely different and I think makes me appreciate John Glover's uh, portrayal of the Riddler even more. Not that not that I that I don't appreciate jim carrey's riddler it's just very very different so i think for all of those reasons uh i ended up giving voice acting a perfect 10 
out of 10. Nice. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm right there behind you at a, a 9 out of 10. I think I think it's a really, really strong uh, episode from uh, from almost everyone. And yeah, I think that's that's by far the the highlight of the entire episode for me is the uh, is the voice acting. Like I said, I, I felt kind of let down by the the plot and the visuals. And then while the music, I didn't hate the music. I just I, like I said, I thought it sort of under it. It was underutilized. So it was nice that we did have at least one uh, one strong category to hang our hats on this week, that being uh, the voice acting. So that will begin to bring us to our final scores here, Cal. Tallying everything up, I have a final score of 25 out of 40. And despite my uh, visuals being the low, one of the lowest of all time, I think uh, this is an episode that maybe goes in the opposite direction, where sometimes there's a there's a very low something that's very very low, but doesn't necessarily. Um, and maybe that the final score is a little bit higher than I anticipated it being, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it, I loved it. Um, so I ended up with a final score of 27 out of 40. Well, there you go. And uh, before we wrap it up here, Cal, we will of course talk about rewatchability. Uh, I have some pretty strong thoughts on that, but I'll, I'll get, I'll go to you first, Cal. Uh, what do you think? Is this a yes or a no for rewatchability? So as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I, I, you know, it's a part of the Riddler Riddler trilogy. Does this advance the Riddler's character? Like if you skipped this one and just went from, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich to Riddler's reform? Would you miss anything? I don't think that there's anything directly from my recollection. Again, it's been a while since I've seen Riddler's reform, but I don't think there's anything that directly references this episode from that episode. So is it a must watch? No, I think based on the visuals and some of the generality, it's not a must. It's not a must watch because it also doesn't advance much of anything as far as you know the relationship between Batman and Robin, or you know, does it reveal anything about Batman that we that you need to know? No, not really. Does it reveal anything about Commissioner Gordon that you need to know? No, not really. Um, yeah, and it's we get another episode of the Riddler where his story really is sort of. Uh, at least for the the entirety of the Batman the animated series, his story is sort of resolved at that point. So, is it a much wa- must watch? No, it's a one thumb up. I think the VR sequence is fun. I think looking at it now, where we are, especially where technology is advanced to to <laughs> VR, I think that that's an interesting thought process and kind of looking at this as as a time period piece that was sort of predicting the future a little bit. That's kind of fun. Uh, so, I, I guess this is one of those where I'd give it a, a one thumb up. It's not a must watch because of it's not pivotal i think to the rest of the series and it doesn't despite it being the the you know the the midpoint of this riddler trilogy it doesn't it's not pivotal to the entire arc what about you yeah i so the only thing i think that's mildly relevant is that the riddler is in custody at the end of it i guess although as you mentioned we they just walk away from him right so we don't even see that we can assume he was taken into custody. And then I think at the start of Riddler's reform, there's a mention of him having just gotten out of, out of prison or whatever. So I guess that's like the only through line is he leaves in a plane at the end of, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? And then he has just gotten out of prison at the start of Riddler's reform. But I, I don't know that that's a big enough reason. I honestly think this is, this is a skip um, again, not that it's terrible. Like I said, I, because we watched it so much uh, growing up, I, it does have a nostalgic uh, place in my heart, but as far as uh, watching it again, if, if this is a rewatch, I would say this one is, is pretty skippable. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Cal. And that will begin to wrap us up for this week. Thank you everybody for listening. We always appreciate that. Uh, you can, as mentioned earlier, you can follow us at DCAU Review. That's our username on both Twitter and Instagram. You can check us out. We'll be talking about any and all DCAU news and topics, as well as what our next or upcoming episodes will feature. And speaking of that, Cal, next week we will have another episode of Batman to talk about wrapping up November with the episode, a very, very monumental one from my recollection. Recollection, It is, in fact, titled, I Am the Night. Yeah, this is one of those I can remember as a child. I hated this episode uh, <laughs> for a lot of the reasons I think that we talk about uh, maybe not liking... 
Uh, some of the other episodes that didn't feature main Batman baddies are just like, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like looking at it and seeing like, man, there's something about this episode that I don't like. There's no Joker. There's no Riddler. There's no crazy action that's happening. But this is a psychological one, one that I'm very excited to go back and look at uh, sort of with this, you know, adult and more, uh, you know, critical eye to figure out, you know, is this one that's going to end up in our in our top ranked episodes I think that has a potential based on what we know about some of these episodes that are more uh, adult themed and and talk about things that are a little bit more serious and sometimes don't even feature one of Batman's more prominent rogues. Absolutely. So we are both very excited to check that out, see how it holds up and how it has improved or not improved uh, upon rewatches. So definitely look forward to checking that out next week. But before we get to that episode, Cal, we of course, This coming Friday will, of course, be Black Friday. And for the second year in a row, we have a bonus episode coming out on Black Friday. And it is once again, as it was last year, focusing on DCAU toys. Yes. uh, If you didn't, if you haven't heard it, you can go back in the archives at DCAUreview.com and listen to our bonus episode way back in 2019. Uh, Such simpler times, Liam, uh, (laughs) where we each listed our top 10 uh, favorite DCAU toys of all time. So you can check out that in the archives at DCAUreview.com or on your favorite podcast app. But as you mentioned, this coming Friday, which of course it's going to be different. Black Friday this year is a lot different because of everything in in the year 2020. Mm -hmm. But hey, let's keep the tradition alive. And we want to talk all about toys as we are kicking off the holiday season here. So what we will be doing is releasing part three of our DC direct retrospective, which again, if you have not heard the first two parts, those also are available in the archives at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. But we will be talking about all things Batman, the animated series, and some of the additional spinoff series that they, that DC direct and DC collectibles did Uh, for these DCAU cartoons that we love going through uh, series by series, talking about our favorites from the line, talking about the impact and uh, some, some additional fun for that. So you won't want to miss that. That'll be dropping this Friday, uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course at DCAUreview.com. Liam, that's going to be fun. Absolutely. Really looking forward to that. Love uh, keeping the tradition alive. Hopefully, as you're uh, you're eating, you're heating up those Thanksgiving leftovers, uh, you can uh, you can listen to us and uh, reminisce with us, and certainly tweet us and comment on Instagram with uh, your own favorite DCAU toys, especially related to those DC collectibles lines. But until then, I'm Liam, and I'm Cal, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye.